Is a very good television podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. Happy Monday. As you listen to this, we are not through one, but two, but three, but four, but five episodes of Westworld. We are deep into the parks. We know that there are multiple parks for one thing. That's cool. Um, and uh, so we're going to keep the spoiler light, I think. I think we're just going to. Probs not. We're going to try not. Nah. I kind of want to keep it spoiler light. It's going to be tough. There's a lot that's happened. And there's technically everything counts as a spoiler. Yeah, that's true. There are horses. <laughs> you just spoiled something for a lot of people. Is Horses aren't a spoiler. They're everywhere. Everything's a spoiler. What's not a spoiler? There's, I mean, there's not <laughs> one. That's the whole point. Um, when it comes to Westworld, they're it's robots. so baffling. and so It's a spoiler. <laughs> then we know... It- Anything anything revealed in season one does not count as a spoiler for this podcast. All the robots could have been dead. They promised us chaos to begin this season. All the robots could have tried to escape and be dead by now. Spoiler. Now, here's a question for that you. That could be a timeline that somebody believes happens because they saw Bernard in the secret basement doing stuff that I can't say, which is because it's literally a spoiler. And they'd be like, oh, that proves that... Which there secret are no basement? Robots. Oh no, there's so, there are multiple secret basements. Spoiler. So many spoilers, Liz. Um, this podcast is going to be horribly censored to the point of just everything redacted. Um. Well, now that we've discussed how we can't actually talk about anything, um. <laughs> I just think people need to be prepared that we're going to talk about stuff. We're going to talk about stuff for sure. Now, I want to start off by asking you this: You've mentioned. You, you, just, you just mentioned that we were told at the beginning of the season that chaos was going to be a big part of the season. Where where did you get that messaging from? Um, every single advertisement, a couple of quotes, and definitely interviews from the creators. Hmm. It's interesting that you say chaos reigns because I personally feel like the impression I got more was just it wasn't so much about chaos reigning as it was about a reversal of power that – you know, season one, the hosts are the hosts are being subjugated. Season two, the hosts would try to reclaim their their status within their their self determination, their authority. Well, that's the that's the whole that's the whole gist of of the purpose of chaos of why uh, season two was made out to be so much different than season one. Season one was about control, and very much the the park was a controlled environment that we. Uh, came to understand to a certain degree or at least be introduced to over the course of season one. And by the end of season one, that control had been lost, mm-hmm. quite literally. They, uh, the, the, the safety mechanism or whatever it's called that kept the hosts from attacking the humans uh, ended very, you know, <laughs> very theatrically when, you know, Anthony Hopkins, uh, Dr. Robert Ford was, was killed by Dolores. And... Uh, that marked the beginning of of the uprising. Uh, that marked the beginning of the war between the hosts and the humans. Mm-hmm. It marked the beginning of a new game. It meant that everything about the first season, which was about them solving a puzzle and solving a maze and playing like the literal games that are in Westworld for the guests to go through, is all gone. Mm-hmm. And now chaos has taken over. And and in the early trailers. 
in the first episode, you know, there's a lot of shots of, of bodies lying around uh, the park. There's a lot of, you know, broken glass and malfunctioning systems and people in a panic and people saying, that's not supposed to happen. That's something that isn't supposed to be there. So they're trying to manufacture a blend of chaos. And one of my overall complaints was the re- one of the reasons season one worked so well for me is because it's a puzzle box show. So them having that kind of controlled environment worked well uh, to set up this next thing. Whereas chaos for a puzzle box show is extremely complicated and it needs to be orchestrated in a manner that is much less much less controlled than it has been so far like we are very studiously going from this person's plot to this person's plot to this person's plot and we're seeing things happen that are kind of like actiony but only when there's not exposition that needs to be going through like there's there just there haven't been a lot of of surprises in terms of what's going on in the park, they haven't they haven't built a, a feeling of chaos as well as it was promised, and even if it wasn't promised as well as it needs to be for someone who's going to war. Like I don't feel like there is an emer- state of emergency going on. I feel very much like, well, this is just kind of Westworld. So, see, I feel very differently, and I don't know why that is. I feel like maybe it's just because I wasn't looking for the chaos element because. <clears throat> for whatever reason, I mean, I saw the same trailers and whatnot, but I just didn't get that. I, I think I was just more invested in kind of the reversal, like the opposite of the opposite of chaos is order. And you make a good point about season one having a lot of elements of control, but I feel like the I feel like the 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 unpredictability of the show was always kind of layered in there. And this season is definitely like full of full of like moments of just like, yeah, sure, just hanging people. Go ahead, Dolores v. Quasi-Wyatt from time to time. Um, I think, though, and it's, I mean, I feel like it's worth noting that uh, for whatever reason, and it, this probably, this may or may not mean anything in terms of our different interpretations, but you did watch the first, the first five episodes, kind not in a gulp, I think you spread them out over a couple of days, um, but as designated weekly reviewer, I've been watching it every week and uh, reviewing it subsequently. And so I've been basically kind of like writing 1,200 words on 1,200 words minimum. God, these have been getting long because I like to research things and mention weird stuff. Uh, but uh, I think that's good. Yeah, my, in, in the episode four review, I think one of my, my most brilliant observations was, is there a reason the memory, the memory of cores look like a de- delicious cupcakes? I don't know. Ben, what do you think? Mm, I think it was designed to run counter to our first introduction to them, which was the gruesome uh, scalping of a Native American host. Yes. So once they, you know, once they did, once they went through all that, it became a very clean process, which, you know, again, blends the contradictory natures of of what's going on in Westworld. But uh, it, it is interesting to me what you're saying, because normally I feel like our roles are reversed in these shows where you are much happier binging and I'm much happier watching weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've often <laughs> railed against <laughs> binging on this show many, many times. You, It is, um, in fact, like like you've gotten you've gotten that, you know, binging ain't nothing tattoo across your chest. Which... Great, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd support that. But um, but no, and I, and I was very conscious of it when I started watching this season to review the first half of it for as, as the season review and 
I tried to, you know, I took breaks between episodes and I really kind of collected my thoughts after each episode and wrote down specific notes about what had happened and what I liked and what I didn't like and what I'd noticed as patterns over the course of them. Um, but it, it's, I mean, it very easily could be affected by that. My, my biggest problem, though, it's related to chaos, but chaos is just kind of the the superficial fun part of it. Like, there's fun things that happen in Westworld. There always are, and there's and I, that's separate to me from just the the gorgeous cinematography and the wonderful acting and the you know the kind of formal things you can always appreciate in Westworld. There were moments that were just fun before, where they'd have like a really good action scene, or yeah. they'd have something that was built into the plot in such a way that that it was exciting because there was something at stake. And what I felt again, going back to the chaos problem with season two, is that chaos is bred from conflict. And conflict is supposed to motivate progress. And there has not been a lot of progress in the first, there wasn't a lot of progress in the first three episodes of Westworld in terms of the characters. Season two. Well, the first three episodes of season two. Yes. Uh, There's the, where they stand as of now, after episode five, and episode four and five are probably the strongest Four is definitely the strongest of the season. Five is, I think, probably second. Um, And five is is very much kind of a breakout thing. But um, a lot of what the characters were trying to accomplish from the start, it hasn't changed. It hasn't deepened. We haven't gained any sort of new understanding to it. They haven't been challenged in and of themselves, like in the way that they're thinking about things. Um, They're invited to kind of have lengthy monologues about it to try to to try to discuss it and uh, elevate some of the scenes that are that are based more in the in the <laughs> kind of the visual aspect of of you know like you mentioned before I think before we started where some they're hanging people or uh, you know, somebody's being tortured or those kind of things are going on in the background and they have these lofty conversations to contradict that again lots of lots of contradictory things going on in Westworld, which is always the point. But the problem is they just haven't pushed very far with the characters, and you can tell that they're hiding a lot of that stuff on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, the man in black, it's been, he's been the best character this season in terms of development. He's, he's clearly in a much different place than he was at the end of season one. At the end of season one, we knew the game was going to change for him, but we didn't know what, how he was going to react to that. And we're getting to see that firsthand. And we've seen a lot of flashbacks as to kind of explain what he went through after, you know, he was William in the first season and became and how he became the man in black. But also it's just he's he's on a good mission. He's turning into a protagonist. He's becoming someone you actually are supposed to be rooting for after all of the abominable things he did in season one. And that's very interesting. Now, the problem is we don't know why, and they're very specifically holding back the why. It's coming, apparently, in future episodes, and that's how I feel about most of the characters. It's like something is coming. We know it's coming, and that's going to be good, and that's going to be fun, but it's been a pretty long wait getting there, and that's been a little tiresome for me, as much as I still admire the show. What were you saying again about lengthy monologues? Yeah. You'd think that I'd love them. (laughs) So I have some thoughts. Um... Number one is that the fact your your belief your opinion that the man in black is having the best character arc of the season. Mm-hmm. Here's my response to that. Okay. I I am bored by the man in black. I think Why? he's fine. I think he's fine. I think it's interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing what goes on with him. And I like the flat. I liked all the flashbacks uh, for for with to Jimmy Simpson. I episode four structure is beautiful. Chef's kiss. I love the way that played out. 
um, in terms of the way that worked uh, with him. I just, I, I think I'm just not, in, it, he's, I think honestly what it comes down to is he was a shitty person for many, many decades. And I'm not in any position to think, I, I, I am interested in his quest. I don't think it's a redemption quest. I think it's him wanting to continue to play his fun little game, like, a, you know, the big boy wearing his cowboy hat. Um, I have no sympathy for his character whatsoever. Well, um, see, I think is, it's interesting. But this th- is a personal ideology. You're not talking about kind of what's going on in the show. Like what, what they're doing. But I feel like you're, respond- you're, 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 you're making leaps, though, that are based on your own personal opinion. Like the fact that it's a redemption quest for one thing. Like I don't think that's been established. I don't think that's been a, a proven part of his thing. He's playing. He's not, it's not like he's on a quest. He's playing Robert's game. Well, he doesn't want to play Robert's game. He, he doesn't like Robert. And it, it is a redemption quest. And, and what's interesting about the idea... Why do you think it's a redemption quest? Because you're being asked to root for him in very specific scenarios. I don't feel like I'm being asked to root for him. There, in, in episode four, when he and... I, I can't remember his name. His buddy who he's captured and is helping him. Um, uh, Lawrence. Lawrence. When he and Lawrence are, are captured and... Uh, Jonathan Tucker's character, Major Craddock, is is torturing them and getting ready to just, I think, kill them after he takes the guns and right. moves on with his own thing. The Man in Black is put in an interesting position where you watch him make comparisons between what he went through with his wife, the flashback structure of, of seeing his wife in the bathtub and him right. rushing up the stairs and he's too late and she's committed suicide. That's part of the, the other yeah. uh, aspect of his flashback. By the way, if you couldn't tell, we're getting into spoilers here. Well, yeah, I have to explain why I think he's on a redemption quest. So, uh, so when you see those comparisons and he's making them very specifically between his own life, which is a human life, and a host's life, which before he had no regard for in, in before the game changed. And he's clearly developing these different feelings toward the host because he allows Lawrence to take vengeance on another host, Major Craddock. He separates the idea between... He separates the hosts between Lawrence, his buddy, who he started to have at least... A, f- a pseudo relationship with, even if he's using him to get to his own means. He allowed him to kill Craddock. He allows him to save his wife and protect his wife when he didn't need to do that. The The excuse that he makes within the episode is that he wants to move on with his own game, that he wants to move on with his own mission, which is fair. He does want to do those sort of things. But what you see in that structure that you admired is him making comparisons between his own life and a host's life. And and he's seeing Lawrence look at his wife being tortured and suffered and she's about to die because they set that up before with the, what's the stuff? Like, it's not gasoline, it's... Um, nitro. Nitro. Um, and she's carrying it out and she's about to be killed. And uh, he prevents that from happening because he's created this parallel between them, which he would have never done before. And we don't know why he feels that way. Again, that's a problem. But... He's making that connection within his own mind, which invites the viewer to look at him as more of a human than he was. Whereas before, when he was human and he was killing all these hosts without a second thought, you were just like, this guy's an asshole. He's terrible. We, like, we can see that the robots are having feelings. And now it's just, it's, it's, it's a much more complicated relationship. And again, it's, and to me, that, that is fascinating in terms of, I want to know what that thing is. I want to know what, what they're holding back. And that's frustrating. And at the same time, I do understand if people are bored with him or if they're, if they're done with him because he is a terrible person. But the idea that they're asking us 
to make those connections is interesting. See, point one, I will give you, I will accept your interpretation of that one scene in five episodes as a sign that we are meant to identify him being on a redemption quest. Two, I did not get that at all from it. So I, I respect, I respect what you're saying. I just, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like, I've, and I feel like this is the strength of any ensemble drama, honestly. And I, I feel like this is something, this is why I kind of, when, when we, when we talk about these shows in terms of best and worst, I kind of, it, it, I find it sometimes a little, a little frustrating because I love the fact that in a big ensemble drama, you and I can watch the same show and find completely different threads in it that fascinate us. And I think that, so that's why like, you know, you're a, you're clearly very into the story of the man in black and how his and how his and how his journey is evolving. I meanwhile am much more fascinated by what Maeve is going through. And I feel like and we were talking before we were ta- before we started recording this podcast, you and I were talking about uh, y- you were you and you and, I and our our lovely colleague Steve were talking about um, you know about all this, and you were saying that you didn't think Maeve has made any changes. And I. Sh- um, and I strongly disagree in that. Uh, I, I I strongly disagree. Not so much that, like she as a person has dramatically evolved, but I'm finding her. I'm finding like the nuances of her her quest to kind of take over and find her own sense of power really in, really interesting. Especially the conversations that it's leading to with Simon. Simon. Shoot, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's well. I feel like I think I, I think I like I think the actor's name is Simon Quartermain, and the actor's the the character's name is something different. Um, and we're gonna as 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 Ben looks this up for me. Um, uh, yeah, Lee. His name's Lee in the show. But yes. Yeah, you were right about the actor. It's like Lee Abernathy, not Abernathy. Lee Sizemore. Sizemore. That's it. Um, yes. Yeah, so yeah, Lee Sizemore. Like the conversation she's having with him and. By the way, one of my favorite touches is just like him just getting constantly plopped in whatever demeaning like second tier servant outfit that they can whatever land they're in. Like that's a that's a wonderful touch. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really invested. I'm really invested in Maeve's journey, and I think like I mean, it's kind of a simple like it's a pretty simple like mother searches for daughter narrative, um, and which is not even necessarily a narrative I personally get really invested in. Like I like it. I think it's strong. Um, and I love mothers. Mothers are good. Hi, mom. Um, hi, and also hi, Mrs. Travers. All the moms. All the moms are great. Um, and mother-daughter stories are good. Um, but even, I feel like the way in which that is coloring her other quest, which is to kind of just own that place, I think that's really interesting. I don't know. I, I'm liking it, is what I'm saying. And I feel like, you know, that's, there could be someone else who is like, really invested in teddy poor poor teddy yeah. um i don't know like i think i think all of that is interesting um i don't i don't want to i don't want to i never want to belittle anybody's enjoyment of anything if you're finding enjoyment in television that's the best thing you can hope for out of it and if you're curious about something it should be explored but for me the the thing with mave that's been frustrating is the idea that she already made that decision at the end of season 1 like the the fascinating conflict with mave during season one was kind of her discovering what she was and then coming to terms with that with what she wanted 
and she made that choice when she left the train and you're like oh my god did she make the choice or was she programmed to make the choice and it's a it's an interesting question to kind of pose amongst but I think yourself. I think but I think that's that's still a conversation that's happening and I think like it's become a really interesting conversation but they they started the conversation with that question and they they then they continued to push forward in through the five episodes of season 2 with the same status like she hasn't changed she She's is very been- much looking for her daughter she is defending the position that that is a choice that she made independent of any sort of programming i and she's she's continued to just kind of walk that path and i have the even discovery gotten... of her powers has been very tertiary like it's just been kind of i didn't realize i could do this and now i'm starting to and i hate to even say these words because I, I really hope they don't turn into this but as soon as i was done with season five or episode five I was just like, they are turning Maeve into the one. This is a Matrix ripoff, and it's really annoying. Because she even does the hand gesture move. And I was like, oh, my God. You can't can't just start doing that. Like, that's that's borderline. eh, I don't want to say it. It's just – it's a problem. um, For me. I mean, I feel like you maybe – I think I think I'm maybe I've, I one of us might be wrong about this, but I was pretty sure that the deal with Maeve, um, the, the deal with Maeve uh, getting like her superpowers, for lack of a better term, um, was she told them to give them to her. Uh, but she didn't know exactly what she was getting. Yeah, but she, you know, it's a, yeah, it's a flower, flowers for Algernon situation essentially. Um, but I feel like I see the thing is I I haven't even questioned the idea that she was programmed to return to the park to find her daughter. I took that as very much her becoming a self actualized character. So no, I no, they wouldn't commit to that last year. When did they not commit to that? When did they say like in questioning, like in interviews uh, and online? Oh, I didn't read those. Oh well, I I, 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 I'm all, I'm doing that thing where I'm watching the show and interpreting it on my own level. And see, that's fine. But at the but at the same time, even if you, I guess if even the if reason you they don't commit that, to that stuff in interviews is so that people can do that. And it's it well, you're right, but you're all. It's also. It's also it's also for a lot of reasons. It's it's also to cover themselves in case they decide to change something down the line or write something yeah. differently. But and and not if they, if they've invited a question even accidentally, they don't necessarily want to close the door on it if that's what's hooking people. But uh, even even if that was her self actualizing, and for whatever reason there's no question about it, which I think that there's, I'm pretty sure there's evidence in the show that actually demands you kind of acknowledge the other side of it as a possibility. Um, Watching some, you can't just sit there and watch someone find powers and think that they're changing as a person. Like there's nobody to push back against well, me. That, that's not. That's not the. The powers aren't why she's changing as a person. How is she changing? How has she changed as a person? Well, I don't. I think what's really interesting. What where I think it really comes in is her relationship with. Uh, shoot, I'm doing it again. Um, Rodrigo Santoro's character. Thank. you. I should know this. Hector. Hector, thank you. Too many characters. Too many characters. But I like Hector. Um, And I think, like, I loved the scene. Loved the scene where uh, Sizemore is basically confronting um, Maeve and Hector about, like, you're not supposed to be in love. We didn't program program you that way. This is bullshit. Um, You're supposed to be elsewhere. And then... They challenge him on it, and then, 
and then he comes in with like he he knows the he knows what heck they know he knows the lines that Hector's going to say because he wrote them. Mm-hmm. Like I think all of that is fascinating, and I think it speaks to what it Maeve is kind of confronting on her own level, which is, you know, she is basically trying she she knows what she knows what she's capable of, but she is still kind of looking for that. I don't know. I feel like we're yeah. kind of we're kind of we're kind of descending into let's just shout about Westworld. Well, no, and, it's, just, it's been too like it, it's the it's the idea of development, and that's it's important in a show to continue developing your characters through uh, through conflict. Right. And again, one of the things I think they've had a problem with with Maeve is she hasn't had a lot of people able to push back at her. There's plenty of action scenes. Right. But there's not a lot of people who are challenging her on an, on an, on a state of ideals. And one I think one of the scenes. Well, that's, that's no Sizemore's doing that. I don't think he. I don't think he really is. He's too subservient, which is the point, which well, is great. But, but I don't think he's able to challenge her on the way that he needs to be. He's a reminder that there's there's these things that she already knew about. But again, if you weren't thinking of the question when it happened on the train as a question, then you're going to think of it now. But I, it's I've always been thinking of it that way. Right. Like I've always been thinking. So him saying that is just kind of a redundancy. It's a reminder okay. that it exists. And I, I I really thought that there was a stronger potential for her to get kind of pushed to a new level when they had that meeting uh, between her and Dolores mm-hmm. because that conversation where they're like, we can approach this in a different way is interesting. Like they're both technically should be on the same side. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should be working toward the same goal and they're going out about it a little bit different. It's like, that's exciting. Like I think they're eventually going to come into conflict and that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, but I would have liked to see more of that in that moment or like more moments orchestrated where they connect somehow. Something where these kind of power dynamics are invited unto themselves. And, and I don't necessarily also want to leave anybody with the impression that I want the characters to change as like a core because Maeve's a great character. Dolores is a great character. And one could argue her decision with Teddy is a pretty strong development. Um, but I, I just, I guess I want to see more progress in the show. Um, well, even though I- <laughs> it could very well just be that, you know, it's a good show. And it's it's on HBO and it's got a it's a big hit so they want to make it last as long as they can. And it's like, you know, just yeah, have some fun, Ben. And I'm like, I'm over here being a curmudgeon. So I mean, I want to men- make sure that we I, I want to talk about the fact that the one promise that I knew they had made, the one promise I'd heard about, um, was that the world would get bigger. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I feel like we have we have talked so much about an element of the show about about the elements of the show that I find so much less interesting than the fact that the world has gotten so much bigger. They found so many interesting ways to layer in new understanding. Stop making that face. I, I, that's, this is where we just are different viewers. Like yeah. you're hundred percent right. They've I'm not, done but, I'm not but, but I feel like I, I want to be clear about this. Cause you're, I, I know that your stance on this is like, you don't want the, you don't want to be figuring it out and solving the puzzles. I'm not, I mean, it's not the priority. It's not the priority, yeah, and it's not a priority. It, it's not that solving the puzzles. I don't want to. I don't want to get ahead of the story. I just want to get more information. Like the, every time I get more information about about a character, I get I feel excited. I love flashbacks for this reason, and so it's not me trying to solve the puzzle. It's me just getting a sense of what the puzzle is, mm-hmm. and and that's it. I so like, and I think I think they do. I mean, yeah, okay, I admit that sometimes I go down a rabbit hole just trying to figure something out, like, in terms of, like, you know, they drop a reference to something. Yeah, um, natural, very natural. It's, it's, a fun, it's, a fun, it's a fun diversion. But in general, I just love the idea of creating a world and letting it get larger and larger and larger very slowly. And oh, I, think, right. I, think, I think the thing is, season one, I feel like, 
was a bit frustrating in this regard. I feel like season one, I think they, well, I think what, I think when I compare season one to season two, I feel like season two has done, has learned a lot from season one in terms of, in terms of how to lay things out and how to reveal things and what, what audiences will want to know. Um, and I think as a result, like, I think the, you know, the facts that we've gotten, the the, the way in which we understand kind of the stakes a great, a, to a great de degree more, uh, have has really like, you know, has really, it has really fascinated me. So, and I think part of it is like, I've had, you know, I've been spacing it out, so I have a week to think about it and, and dwell on it at, per, per, per the Ben T. Travers method. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think it's been, I think it's been a fun ride so far. Um, well, everything you just mentioned to me ties back in again to our just very core disagreement about um, about entertainment, and it's like the it's like the Marvel thing. Like you you love the Marvel movies, and a lot of people love Marvel movies because they're so connected and they keep expanding things, and you keep getting more information about characters. Then the characters link up, and they have the fun dynamics, and it just keeps building and building and building and building. And I, I honestly don't like you know me. I don't care. I don't want that. I really don't like it. It stresses me out. It's like it's too big and unwieldy. And then we're bouncing around between too many locations and too many characters. And I want to focus. I want to dial in on that one character who's like really good. But you and, at the same time love drawing the connections in like the leftovers and like you know finding all the ways that you know all the. I remember you. I didn't you write like an entire art. You wrote an entire article about camera angles. You wrote an entire. You you've written many thousands of words about doves. Yeah. Um, but that that's not the leftovers introduced us to a new world that we knew but had been altered and then it dialed in on those characters and it 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 didn't expand in those terms like it wasn't waiting to reveal anything to us it gave us everything pretty much right off the bat and then there'd be little mysteries internally within the seasons that you you put together um, but like look at season three like the whole point of season three was not just to see who's this old Nora? Like, how did that happen? That was not the whole point of the season. No. And you didn't feel like you were just waiting for that the whole time. And uh, again, that's a very different thing to me. And I know The Leftovers somehow ties into The New Avengers, which is why I'm, I mean, other than Carrie Coon, which is why I'm going to have to see it at some point. But um, I completely acknowledge that this is something that a lot of people are drawn to and that is a, a, a viable um, form of entertainment and something that's very satisfying for people. And I am just in the minority who is not one of them. There's nothing wrong or right about either way. I feel like um, you kind of set yourself up as a martyr when you describe yourself as a minority in this respect. A martyr? Yeah. No, because I'm losing? Because I'm the only one who doesn't like it? I feel like, I, I don't know. I'm not I just, the only I, one. But. I feel like you're kind of, a, but you're, I, think you, I think you've closed yourself off to it to a certain degree. I don't, I, I've seen way more of those fucking movies than... I wish I had. But, for, I mean, you put it in those terms. It's like, because ah, I fuck, keep, gotta go see another Marvel because movie. Because you people keep telling me this one's different when it's exactly the same. Like, I Have I, I ever done that? People who love these movies come and they say, this one was fun because of this, and it's not like the other one because of this, and I trust them, and then I go see it, and it's just not true. We talked about this already. We talked about this way back in the day when, when like, Guardians 2 came out or something. Um, but kind of steering it back toward the Westworld idea, like I'm interested in that. It's fun for me to think like that they're creating these new worlds and like 
you know, where are we in time and what planet are we on and, and like how much has they built this out and what's going on outside of this park? Like, you know, what's going on in the actual reality that we got to briefly visit in episode two? Um, but I just don't, them, them broadening it out like that To me, it, it just it takes away from the from the impact that I feel like could be obtained from characters who are really really good on their own, and that I want to spend more time with instead of having that time divided up. It's it's my expendables problem to relate it to something that I love, but have many conflicts with. <laughs> Every single person in the expendables is somebody who I watch a movie where they're the only star right so when you put them all in the same movie i'm like god this isn't gonna be good there's not (laughs) enough screen time for mickey rourke i'm gonna be upset and then for whatever reason that movie works for me the next two did not they fucked it up and they did add more people which was its own problem but i don't think that was the only problem um so there's there's something about small doses of it that work and then there's something about it where it almost seems endless where I just get lost. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know where the line is exactly. Um, and I don't think that this is, again, I don't think that this is Westworld's core problem. I just, I am definitely willing to acknowledge that, that plenty of people will watch an hour of television and be entertained by these sections of it and this part of it and that idea of it. And I'm going to be like, that's cool, but I want this other thing. And that's, I don't think that's fair. Like, it's the same thing. Like, the first season is a puzzle. And for, like, a couple of the episodes, I really like season one, by the way. Um, And for a couple of the episodes, when I could tell they were grinding their puzzle gears, I get a little bored. But that's the whole point. Like, it is a puzzle. And it's supposed to be fun to solve it. And because I don't care about solving the puzzle doesn't mean I'm right not to care about solving the puzzle. That's the whole reason they're writing it that way. Like, that's the the form of entertainment they're trying to give me. So I'm screwing it up <laughs> no i mean i i think honestly i think here's what it's comes what it comes down to um and this is not me calling you a snob for the record but i think there is a certain sort of in the critical in the critical space i think there is a sort of there seem there's like there's a, hi- a hierarchy of like critical thinking, perhaps. Is I, I don't, I'm trying to sort this out at the, in the moment, but basically, I feel like the idea that you know I can enjoy a movie or a TV show and it can have bad characters, or it can have like low, it can have like underdeveloped characters, but just be a really fun, exciting adventure. Like the spectacle, like it, it you know. Avengers should not compete against Call Me By Your Name at the Oscars. Like, it's that basically kind of dick to me. So I feel like when you make a point of saying, well, I appreciate the character development of Westworld, but unfortunately the uh, spectacle of it just falls lacking. Like, I think that there that there becomes a stigma in that. And I, that, this is just me processing, like, kind of why I've been reacting to, you know, you honing in on that element so much. And I respect, I respect the hell out of you for doing that. And I'm just... Mentally figuring out why 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 I was feeling a little more a, a little more passionate about it than usual. Normally, I'm happy to disagree with you. Well, um, the other thing is, it's it's that's kind of the opposite. Like I I don't think the character development has been great this season, whereas the spectacle has been extraordinary. And it's it's that the spectacle and you found is, it lacking, right? And the spectacle is enough for some people, whereas it's not enough for me. See, and that's I think the crux of it. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think the thing is like like the spectacle of gravity was enough. Like when I saw gravity, I was like, you know, this story is is very simple. The characters are fairly simple. The Sandra Bullock thing about like her little story in the middle, I was like, that doesn't work. But I loved it. It was fantastic. Um, and again, like there's, I don't. I guess maybe that's because that's an unfair comparison because it's a 90-minute film and this is trying to be, I don't know how many seasons worth of content, so they have they to expand to before that. Yeah, I know. It's, which is good. I think they should. But um, they have to expand before they can bring it together. Um, and maybe I'm just exhausted. Maybe I'm just watching too much TV and when things feel slow in any regard, I just don't have the patience for it anymore because I'm getting into be a, a grumpy old curmudgeon. Well, but. it's, I mean, and the thing is, like, there, it's it's fair to be, like, you know, like, a show like Killing Eve has incredible character development. And, you know, it's also extremely entertaining. Like, it's possible to be, have both a show with strong character development and also, and strong characters, and also a really fun experience. It's so weird that you mentioned Killing Eve. Were you in here when I was talking to Han about it? Um, I can't really say exactly what it was, but... One of the things I'm worried most about Killing Eve is the ability for it to continue for longer than the first season. It feels like it's designed almost to have a perfect one-season arc, and obviously it's designed to be longer than that. But I can't imagine how they're going to do it. And part of that's exciting, and part of it's just like, uh-oh. Have you seen the finale? <laughs> no, 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 no. But I'm, yeah, I I almost am not watching it. Like, I haven't had a lot of time, but I also, it's like, I'm scared, so. All right, I won't refrain from comment on the Killing Eve season finale. Um... But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the thing is that Westworld has always been a really interesting show to talk about. And I, I think what's most interesting about it this year is the fact that we're talking about it in a different way. And for a show to do that and to find, and find new reasons for us to be, for us to be focused on it um, more than other shows uh, is, I think, worth a, you know, worth a thumbs up at least. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah. We had a fun time shouting about it for 45 minutes just then. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Oh, it's the Americans. It's the Americans. It's going to be the Americans. Unless something goes horribly awry, it's going to be the Americans for the next two, two or three weeks. So you're saying the Americans is the show to beat? It's <sighs> so good. Are you watching it week to week? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's tough because I know we have the finale. Yeah, I've got two left. It's not enough. I... I was talking to a friend I hadn't talked to in a while and uh, they told me they were watching The Americans. I was like, what do you think? And they're just like, I'm dying. I'm just like every week, little by little, it's killing me. And I love it. And I just can't even imagine another show right now. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much how it is. Um, it's been very easy to write weekly reviews of that because I basically set up this season where I was like, I'm just going to try to hone in on little things that this show's always done well and use examples from the episodes to talk about, like to help remember it, you know, so I can like hold on to it. And it's just, there's so many, like there's just so many things to talk about. My Those reviews too, like I'm, I'm going way too long. Mm-hmm. There's like uh, 1,800 word reviews. It's too I'm much. aware. I'm the one editing them. I'm sorry, Liz. It's okay. Um, but yeah, that's the best thing. And I, I hope I hope it will be for at least two more weeks. But mm-hmm. uh, what about you, Elizabeth? What's the best thing you watched last week? Um, well, first off, uh, I I really liked uh, Westworld 204. 
Um, but Westworld 205 is my favorite of the season so far. I thought it was fantastic. I think it is an example of the kind of episode that if that sh- if the show continues to do it, it will have real longevity. Because I think, and I also love seeing the new park. And even though we've kind of torpedoed any attempt to keep the spoiler free, um, I will say that I think I, I will try to keep- leave it at that. Also, because you just listened to us yell about Westworld for 45 minutes. I mean, they already, they've released the title and the photos and everything. Yeah. Ringo Kikuchi is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting. Well, nah, that's going to go too far. <laughs> um, but also, I'm just going to mention this. 13 Reasons Why premiered this weekend and uh, as you listen to this. And it's it's um, in a weird place right now. Uh the as minutes before we were sat down to record, um, following the tragic shooting at Santa Fe High School in Texas, uh, the premiere, the official like event premiere had been canceled. The show is at this moment still streaming on Netflix. It's second, it's streaming its second season on Netflix, um, and in general, it's just like, you know, because of the content of this season, it's going to be a very hard show to talk about. For, for on an editorial level for a lot of people. Um, and uh, as, as it's, it's tough, but there's this one, there are a couple of really beautiful moments in the second season, including a scene that I brought up during an interview, uh, an interview with uh, one of the show's producers and we both started crying just at the mention of it. And so I feel like it's it's got it's a show that has so many flaws, but I I do still really enjoy the moments it finds where it it does figure out the right way to handle its subject matter. Um, and sometimes it really does not, but I do respect the times when it does, um, because everybody is flawed. Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to Steve Martin and Martin Short, an evening you will forget for the rest of your life. That sounds fun. I hope it is. Are you a big Steve Martin? Well, you're a big Martin Short fan. God am, help you. I'm a big fan of them both. I like Martin. I like, I like Steve Martin. That, one, both, that one's a good Martin. They're both terrific. Eh. I love them. I know you do. Jiminy Glick will make an appearance in the special, and that's... Is, is that confirmed? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It's great news for the world. Yeah, that's a good warning for me. Yep, I'm excited. <laughs> but uh, that's this Friday, I think, as you're listening to this. That's this, cool. As this is released. Yeah. Um, it's just a kind of a, it's 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 labeled as like a stand-up special kind of, but it's more of a variety two-man show on a stage. Um, mm-hmm. Like they're going to do some kind of bits together. Uh, they're going to do independent bits. There's definitely Steve Martin playing a ukulele. Um, Bye, Law. So like there's, there's more than just a, a, I shouldn't say just, but there's more than a stand-up routine, like more than just a, a, a vocal delivery. So it should be exciting to see what they do. Um, they're still both very uh, lively and, and creative people. So um, we'll see how it turns out. But that'll be out just in time for Emmy qualification, much like most of Netflix's programs, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, but Liz, what are you looking forward to next? Uh, we just got the screener for and the episode seven of The Handmaid's Tale, and I admit that I got the email notification and I went yay and applauded, which is probably not the right reaction to have to getting a new episode of The Handmaid's Tale. It should be, 
you know, excitement, but tempered by, you know, the sadness that's about to come. And yet I still remain excited by that show. I'm enjoying season two. I feel like, I feel like, uh, feel, I feel, I feel like the first six episodes were interesting. I had problems with the momentum, uh, but given the, what, uh, no, no spoilers, but basically the way the, after episode six, I really wanted to see episode seven. So I'm in a good place there. Um, is it 10 this year? What? Is it 10? No, 13. 13. They expanded to 13. Uh, yeah. So a lot to go, you left. Um, so you can find all information about that and more at IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. Uh, and you can find all of IndieWire's lovely podcasts, including Turn It On podcast with Michael Schneider, Screen Talk podcast with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson, and the one, the only, the great, the perfect Chris O'Fault. Uh, with the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast, all available on the podcast drop-down tab on IndieWire.com. Very well. And right. iTunes and Other places. Stuff. Interv- it, it, the internet. Yeah. And you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. Correct. We will be back next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, keep watching television. 